Episode 10 of Big Dyke Energy. This is Gala Makamalova. And Rose Blakelock. We're here. We're queer. We're recording during a flash flood in New York. And we're full of existential fear. Angst. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so hmm, cancer season survived. Cool. Check. Got it. Check. What else did we make it through? Two eclipses. Oh, wow. How was that for you? It just felt like not impossible, but like very hard and slow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think. Um, Did you see like a lot of tension back and forth with people? You know, I think I just saw tension all around me. And I think that the eclipse, like I could feel it sort of being um, amplified by mercury retrograde happening at the same time mm-hmm. and mercury and cancer being conjunct yeah but it's just like uh i'm not i like have mercury retrograde in my natal chart mm-hmm. often i just watch it kind of happening around mm-hmm. me i will say that um i definitely spent this past month doing a lot of sort of sort of uh stupid kind of physical blunders yeah i got really clumsy yeah i also just felt like zapped like i had like um, two weeks of the craziest pms it's just like (laughs) felt tired cry at the drop of the hat everything was so much effort to do i mean that sounds like cancer yeah (laughs) right like i was just like can we stop and have a snack can i just lie down in the air conditioning i'm gonna watch this movie i really love again (sighs) i just want to feel safe good luck (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank you okay but mercury retrograde that's still happening right it's still yeah it's still happening um, i think through the end of the month like july 31st what did we do to deserve this planetary movement over and over and over again Mm. and listen i know that there's astrologers out there and i guess i'm one of them that are just like oh my god mercury retrograde that's a transit that happens all the time just relax okay but I just feel like this one was so amplified by this eclipse season. And I know so many more people than usual who are like delayed in their flights, had their flights canceled. Yeah. Lost really serious plans or investment or opportunities. And it seemed like, you know, that sort of this the uh, the kind of common adage of mercury and retrograde yeah. which is sort of like it's re it's everything re so it's like you reflect you don't move forward it seemed like people were incapable of not moving forward oh, do you think part of that is also the conflict with mars moving into leo what do you think what what do you mean by that tell our audience <sighs> so i think it was july 2nd so like the day of the first eclipse mars moved into leo um so we kind of move out of this like sidestepping way of doing things or this kind of like intuitive dreamy into just like boldly marching forward like with your chest out Mm -hmm. so if you combine that energy with like 
just like mass confusion mm-hmm. and also kind of um the uh, what like the nodal advice mm-hmm. of actually moving from side to side yeah. or like hemming mm-hmm. with the impulse mm-hmm. or to tacking be like, right like yeah with yeah. the impulse to be like i'm here and i have a game plan it's gonna be fabulous i have an idea everybody listen to my idea yeah <laughs> um are you a mars and leo this to sound like you out there <laughs> yeah tell us dear listeners uh but yeah, so I feel like people, there's also kind of this idea of like exceptionalism that mm. comes with Leo. So the idea of like those rules don't apply to me. So like, yeah, yeah Mercury's in retrograde, but like, fuck it. I'm going to get this shit done. I know what I'm doing. I and, had some crystals. They're charged. Like, and did you get it done? <laughs> they. Did, I mean, I felt, I feel like part of not like really backsliding or fucking yourself up and mercury retrograde is just being like well this is happening things are going to take longer i need to build in extra time i'm not gonna like expect anything to really come to fruition Mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna like try to go easy like Mm -hmm. if you need to like take an extra toke in the morning to not like fight people like do whatever you have to do yeah also going easy on a relational level right because it's like a mercury cancer positionality it's Mm -hmm. about um having empathy for other people's complex humanity right Right. so understanding that if somebody is not relaying pertinent information to you it's not some sort of like ploy to fuck up your game you know but Mm -hmm. that actually there's just some sort of collective impulse to not be completely with it to not fully disclose Mm -hmm. yeah um i think it's also just like cancer is in some ways like emotional reactivity and Mm -hmm. so it's like people aren't really necessarily aware of the exact space or motivations like behind their responses they just like their cancers are getting triggered you know what I mean it's just like an emotional trigger what happens when a cancer gets triggered Mm, it either chomps you with its claw or like hides under a rock right you know yeah Yeah, or are you talking about like a person (laughs) No, I'm just thinking about like what it means to think about cancer energy mm-hmm. in a triggered state. What kind of reaction um, or what kind of exchange that creates between people when that kind of energy falls over a crowd? Yeah, I mean, I think it's part of it is like um, cancer energy has taken stock of like whether or not they can take you. And if they can, they're going to get you. And if they can't, they're going to retreat. You think cancer energy is that premeditated? No, I think that it's all happening subconsciously. Oh. Yeah. Huh. I feel like, um, I feel like cancer energy that's triggered is like a, it's like a ripple effect. Mm, like that's more about that's that? my thought. I'm thinking right now out of my butt. Like I'm thinking of it as sort of like uh you know like the idea of cancer moving side to side. But I'm thinking of cancer triggered as like a pebble hitting the water and then just like ripple, 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 ripple. So you begin to kind of see their mm. response 
through whatever medium you're working on like there's just like wave there's like a littler wave and a littler wave and a littler wave because there but it's not um so you're saying it reverberates yeah it reverberates mm-hmm. but it's not like it's not like the water throws a stone back okay. like instead of them sort of uh necessarily retorting i think cancers actually take their time like i think cancers as people often take their time before they um push back against what they feel sort of triggered by or um, Mm. angered or upset by. Like, I think they store it up. Do you think that that's a thing that Virgos do too? I mean, they're, I feel like Cancers and Virgos are actually relate on so many levels about the way that they move through the world. Um, I think that Virgos, it's funny because Cancers are the cardinal ones, but I think Mm -hmm. Virgos are a little bit more Active, like they're. I think they're a little mm. bit. I don't. I think they're reactive, but not toward you. Oh yeah, no, they're so, gonna get pissed at somebody like three people down the line for the thing that you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or like you have an argument and then you come home and they're like repainting the house. <laughs> you know, so it's like, uh, or they're you know they're just like re- they're changing a system and they it because it gives them some sense of control, control. over the environment yeah. so that's a particular to say like a home situation and I guess you could extrapolate that to whatever context works I feel like cancers aren't reactive necessarily in the moment to the place of conflict nor their environment mm. they just sort of uh, emit an energetic ripple effect and um, it's like a pheromone but opposite yeah opposite it's a pheromone it's a pheromone <laughs> i mean i've had i don't know i've had cancer i've any cancer energy or a person i guess any cancer person that i've seen in a moment of trouble like face to face in that exact moment retracts instantly mm. like uh not out of fear but like a stonewalling you know like, yeah. it's just ultimately, like, get away from me. Yeah, like they crawl under yeah. a rock or seek Like in their shell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But instead of it being this sort of image of, like, sensitive fear, they're like, you don't deserve to be near myself. <laughs> I, like, I really believe it's, like, a gesture of, like, incredible sort of uh, resistance. They're like, I resist interaction with you on any level. Right, which, like, is not, not a Capricorn thing, too, of, like went like mm, an unwillingness to be vulnerable for one reason or another you know mm. um i wonder what the difference is because i feel like even you saying that like uh i want to hear more and i want to push against like i feel like cancers actually never don't feel like a kind of vulnerable like they but they will push they don't want to display it though you just yeah. said they don't won't share that exactly they won't give they you have access it. to that interior it's like you don't have it but they always have it but capricorns have it too Tell and, me more. and have like a similar thing um but i think capricorns don't share for fear of it like tarnishing their... so you think that capricorns have access to their softness and vulnerability i think the capricorns have a huge fear of their tenderness and vulnerability i think that they are so scared of it and so scared Mm -hmm. to expose it because they and they don't realize unwittingly that they're the ones giving it that power over them 
See, but I think cancers don't have a fear of it. They have like a venerate, right, like but a reverence. But they have a pride around yeah. it too. They protect it's pride it. for both of them. But, right. But for them, they're like, you have to be special to get this. Exactly. And for Capricorn, it's like, oh, dear God, don't let anyone know that I have this. Wow. Yeah. So what happens in this kind of eclipse season when Capricorn is triggered, like when it's on the new moon, right? That was the Capricorn new moon. Yeah. I or mean, full moon brain. So they're just squeezing tighter. It's a mm-hmm. contraction. Is it a Capricorn new moon? Oh, uh, it was a Capricorn full moon. Capricorn full moon. So it was a lunar eclipse on July 16th. It's very hot, my friends. But yeah, it is. We have to turn off the AC to record. Mm-hmm. It's a really good thing we didn't record um, yesterday. <laughs> when it was Couldn't have. Degrees. When no. we were in a heat wave? No, we have to record during a flood wave. Well, one or the other. What do you want? Is that like a, is that part of our access? <laughs> it's not not, right? How, dr- it's pretty dramatic for like the last day of cancer season to be a flash flood. Yeah. Do you, do you count this as the first day of Leo season or the last day of cancer season? It's 29 degrees cancer. It's the last day of cancer. Mm-hmm. They, they're getting it all out. You think they're just flooding us with this relief of goodbye? Yeah. Well, oh, you mean like maybe for us, it's actually a like cathartic release oh my god i think of flood when i see i mean even though it was so fucking really reckless of me to be in a car coming over here i also felt the deep relief of the flood around the city like i felt the pavement and the earth and the trees just being like globe 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 yeah Mm -hmm. we're parched which is kind of ironic coming out of cancer season yeah but um, yeah, for this axis, I think there is a lot about fear and vulnerability there. I think there's a lot about um, as far as like values go, like whether your smaller circle is important or whether like um, what what the world thinks of you is important or like your status in it. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about um, these sort of the nodal influence like what it means to have the north node on cancer to Mm -hmm. be moving towards intimacies Mm -hmm. um and away from the public image right but at the same time a north node is sort of the person that you want to be becoming and growing into and in a lot of ways that's what we consider our public image right so when we look at our social medias and our career paths we're thinking Mm -hmm. about how we present ourselves not only to others but to our own self you know like how do we imagine ourselves when we move through our day when we describe ourselves to others Mm -hmm. and this moment right now that a lot of us are in at least in our generation like the Pluto Scorpio generation possibly the younger one after us where we're trying to really differentiate between what it means to be a productive, valid self in like a culture that both uh, sort of demands this form of um, hyper exposure and intimacy, mm-hmm. but also rejects closeness and softness and empathy. And yeah, and it's kind of like you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. I guess I also have just been having a lot of conversations with people recently about kind of a really examining their, you know, Capricorn's natural house is the 10th house. And I feel like I've Mm -hmm. seen like a lot of people really re-examining like their, 
career path and like how mm-hmm. their their outward facing persona and like whether or not it's aligned with their values and whether or not like they're ready to you know some of them are just literally like having families and and that's shifting their priorities but right. i think some of them too are just like oh actually i need like the world is really fucked up and i need to find a way to like heal part of it and like fuck a 401k like mm-hmm. we're running out of clean water to drink you know or would it, i guess i mean i i don't want to be so presumptuous in this in this way as a young person in the world to kind of imagine our position in a time of crisis as if it has not happened before sure. like as if generations before us have not sat around being exactly saying exactly the same shit like the world is coming to an end but do they have families? a panel of scientists literally say you have 10 years left I mean, I don't know. I'm not like a super, I'm not super informed on climate change, but I do feel like these warnings have been coming on for quite some time. But I guess if I were to engage in that perspective, like if I were to say, hey, yeah, this is the generation where we're like, the world's coming to an end. It does sort of put a new or not new, but powerful lens onto what it means to consider our future selves the idea of building family right which is cancer the idea of family structures whatever they may be no matter how non-normative they are in relation to this feeling that there is a deep crisis on our land on our Mm -hmm. soil i've had friends come to me talking about um how in the past year or so as they've been getting older they've been really reevaluating their attachment to owning property right mm-hmm. um that even when they were young and like in punk collectives or whatever they still thought eventually they'd own a house and now the idea of wanting to own property at a time when indigenous people are just fighting to have clean water feels so antithetical to everything that they believe in i just um i don't know if we're if we're sort of in a place where this is really a new thought practice but i do feel like there's a way in which our hyper exposure of all these kinds of political movements because of social media and because of so many people getting so many people getting platforms that would otherwise just not be granted them getting to witness a true deterioration of the state Hmm. do you think that will ever happen do I ever do I think that America's just gonna fall apart? I think it is falling apart. I think it's already falling apart, but like um, I'm pretty scared about like uh, who's gonna flex next, you know? Yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, I don't dare speak them into being, <laughs> but I, I like that. I like that practice. yeah, but you know, I just remember as a young child reading the mouse graphic novels, yes. And feeling it a little like too mm-hmm. close. There was something like it, like felt it was too true. I mean, I know it was literally true, but there mm-hmm. was something about it where I was like, "This isn't gone yet. This isn't over yet." You right. Know? Um, and so that's what I I don't like feeling that kind of like uh, premonition like response. Right. I guess I. Um, I want to believe that there is always 
waves of resistance and waves of joy and it is everywhere okay but i also want to recognize that um that waves of subjugation and honestly of evil are not are, are not like a Buffy episode where like the Hellmouth finally like just gapes wide open at the end of the, all the seasons and they're just like, well, fuck, mm-hmm. <laughs> gotta get the hell out of Dodge, you know? It's like, in, it's, it's more like the rest of the season yeah. where the Hellmouth is open and incrementally demons are just fucking coming out, you know? And yeah. they're also changing us, right? They're changing the citizens. Mm. So it's not just sort of like, oh, you defeat this one power mm-hmm. and that's it and it's over. You have to defeat this other power. Instead, like wave after wave, there's a desensitization around what it means to incur harm, what it means to have children in detention camps, right? Mm-hmm. So even that, the incrementals of that, the first wave of shock around the fact that they were in the camps, you know, and not just children, but people like, I mean, I love children as much as anybody, but I'm also like, why is it, is it like, it was like a regular person not allowed, not allowed to receive yeah. empathy. But, you know, the first, the first wave of emotional response is like, I can't believe that we are basically rebuilding camps on, you know, on our soil that are like, just reminiscent of internment camps oh okay actually we're going to use the old site for internment camps and we're going to host people there and then oh actually people are dying oh but actually they're also getting mistreated and people keep sort of acclimating to one level after the other right until it just feels like everybody's hands are up in the air being like oh i guess this is what's happening now cool so should we just re-record our last episode again (laughs) what do you mean i don't know i just feel like uh it's, it's the same well i mean i think that our last episode really dealt with a lot of our feelings about um queer safety and Mm -hmm. queer rights and yes people um you know trans rights people being attacked for being trans people dying for being trans uh but i do think that it's sort of impossible for me to Mm -hmm. exist in this world even thinking about astrological or collective energy mm-hmm. without also having the weight and the shadow of the fact that this is all happening alongside yeah no, no, no i agree you know and i think that um we can hold that information and i know that there are those of you out there who are doing really necessary and important work right um but also we all we have our day-to-day lives and we move through them and we go watch really shitty movies like midsummer <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do want to see that you didn't see it no was it shitty you know I, people will fight me on this and people really loved it um i thought it was are you gonna spoil it all for me right now no i'm just gonna say that i think um I think I'm the type of person that is not freaked out by horror because I'm Russian, mm. but um, 
I prefer or am more interested or moved by movies that have horror elements that ultimately change the way I relate to the human condition. So I'm thinking about um, like Get Out, mm-hmm. uh, just the sort of the different kinds of humane elements. Not that, you know, n- not that racism is surprising by any means, but Mm-mm. the way that you move through that movie and relate to the characters shifting one by one mm-hmm. and I felt like with Midsummer, it was sort of like by the end exactly what you kind of expected to happen did happen mm-hmm. you know so What's, that's what I can say I mean you're talking about horror and human condition and kind of like a reflection and a ripple mm-hmm. and uh no I didn't see Midsummer. I actually like literally haven't left my house to watch anything but I did finally watch all of Big Little Eyes which I know um it's not really dyke culture, but I think I mean that I it's... think Nicole Kidman is dyke culture. Am I wrong? <laughs> okay, to be fair, Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban also like. Did you see their ten year anniversary photo? Because they literally look like a lesbian couple. I I haven't, but I I don't even want to imagine Nicole Kidman with a man, and I rebuke your gesture. And also Laura Dern as you know Ellen's coming out moment. You remember that? I do remember that. So Laura Dern is always a lesbian to me. Okay, that's Case fair close. enough. Speaking of Laura Dern, have you you've seen Citizen Ruth, right? I haven't. It's an abortion comedy, and especially in these times, I think it's like really important for people to. Um, what is an abortion comedy? I know that's why you. That's a question on everybody's tongue tip of it, isn't it? Um, it's a dark comedy, basically. Uh, Laura Dern is struggling with. Um, some addiction she huffs paint a wild lot in it. yeah yeah um but anyway basically lord dern becomes pregnant and is perhaps it's not a great idea for her to have a child uh because she engages in like some pretty high risk behavior um she ceases to be a human being and become and becomes like the linchpin in an ideological like cultural war mm. and so there are like these um pro-choice lesbians who like go undercover and kidnap her to like try to help her get an abortion wow. and then there's also this family that tries to like get her to have the child but if she has a kid then she is going to um face pros- like prosecution for endangering the child's livelihood and so it's mm-hmm. like this back and forth between uh the two sides of this culture war mm-hmm. over Laura Dern and literally like her bo- her body politic it's dark and I, I think that there's definitely some parts of it that are probably problematic in the way that they depict like her and her relation to substance mm-hmm. um but it's also really humanizing of yeah. her so in that way I think that like you like her you are very charmed by her and she and they do give her like a full personality and experience which I think is cool when we are thinking about like this kind of battle of like institutions over like people yeah I mean I think abortion rights are sort of inherently Mm -hmm. on the cancer Capricorn access of an issue yeah and also sort of like a sleeper lesbian issue right I don't know for me I feel like I I think that um there are people that don't recognize just how much abortion rights can be related to queer rights and they really separate that well because so much of like the opposition and oppression is about like if you're a person who can get pregnant this is the role that you must play 
mm. in society and that above all else that your your potential to become pregnant is more important than anything else in your mm. life right? like if you have an like if you have a functional i don't know i don't know if that's fraught to say functional but I'm just going to say now and feel free to correct me. I'm open to that. If you have a potentially... If you have a, if you have a, if you have a fertile womb, yeah. then you belong to the state. Exactly. Or that like you are an instrument of, mm-hmm. and that like that should be the priority. And depending on what you look like, like mm-hmm. the kids that you're going to be forced to bear are either going to like keep the population looking a certain way or feed the prison population and become disposable in some way. Right. But either way, mm-hmm. like, um, so yeah, I was thinking about that. So I'm curious because I haven't seen this, um, abortion comedy speak of yeah. in big little lies. I am pretty certain that Renata is a Capricorn Definitely. Is uh, Laura Dern playing a Capricorn in this show as well? Definitely not. Mm-hmm. No. Um, she's like too volatile. She's probably a Sagittarius, like on a not good. Like <laughs> that. That would be my in, the, the first place I would go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Except, like you know, she's a little divided, but she's like too. She's too volatile to not have some heavy fire. Right. So there's some, and it's like, but it's, she's impulsive, but she's not an Aries, I don't think. So volatile in a way, in a different she way than Capricorns her, like, are passions. Um, yeah, I mean, like. Because um, Capricorns are righteous. It's like an explosive enthusiasm. Right. Whereas it's not necessarily like, uh, Like what you owe me. Well, and like a weird pressurized rage ball. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, and not like I've been contracting and contracting and contracting and contracting and now I'm going to explode. I feel like it's like contracting and compacting. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. Speaking of these two shows Mm -hmm. or what you just said before, I'm curious what your thoughts are, like how we mitigate this as sort of queer consumers, right? Speaking of like consumption in a time of chaos Mm -hmm. or whatever, or like when we as consumers sort of have this illusion of control over our content as one form of our activism, which like, by the way, doesn't really (laughs) seem to work. But how do you mitigate the big like the fact that big little lies is both like so fucking enchanting right just the acting Mm -hmm. with this whole zoe kravitz situation also the backdrop also i disagree with you on bonnie you what do you what do you disagree with me on i think bonnie's a scorpio yeah okay Mm -hmm. uh no (laughs) because you know what a scorpio knows how to do keep a fucking secret <laughs> so you're just wrong like you're just it's uh, it's out like that's just like the like there's no argument you can have against me there like literally this bitch is sitting around going i have a secret <laughs> like weeping over the fact that she fucking killed a man are you fucking kidding me scorpios make whole elaborate secret plans to kill people what's wrong with you rose <laughs> incorrect get out of my face <laughs> that's her whole character on this show that's the fucking sad and disappointing part her whole character is like woman who can't keep a secret who teaches yoga that's it that's all they've got for bonnie 
Ah, she also teaches um, that throat singing for sleep apnea class. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just wanted to see you react. No, you know what? Like, listen, I deeply and wholeheartedly believe that Celeste is a Libra, but... I do think she's a Libra. But there are people who think that Celeste might be a Scorpio. And yeah. I can hold that. I'm like, yeah, okay, sometimes when Scorpios are sort of, like, sick with their own self-hatred, they can sort of become a kind of no, she's Celeste. No, she's a Libra with, like, but, it, like, all of her... She's probably got a shit ton of planets in a water house. Yeah, so it's like, but I'm saying like that's like a that's like a Scorpio idea I can entertain, even <laughs> though I believe she's a Libra. But Bonnie, like, just like she is like literally just like her character is like a wet rag moving around. <gasps> I guess what I was thinking about was just more the murderous impulse within her that's seething the below the surface, and the fact that she could be in a marriage with a guy for that long and have a kid, and then be like, by the way, I don't love you. Pisces, dude. What are you describing? Is just a Pisces. <sighs> I guess so. I just don't see Pisces as having murderous impulses. Are you, you kidding think they me? Do? Yeah. All, it's all they write about in their journals. Mm, but that's the thing. While the no. Scorpio has a murderous impulse and will never apologize for it. Mm, oh, the Pisces feels guilt about it. Because they, they're like, oh, Do you think I love that a everybody. Pisces two fish are actually just swimming towards Scorpio and swimming towards Cancer? And no. that's like what they... No, they're swimming so? towards like Aries and Aquarius. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, like that's literal. Like I'm just doing a literal. Yeah, I guess journey. so, but I don't think so. I think that it's more. Yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I think that they're like one fish is slowly swimming away from this idea of like the collective towards the abyss, and the other one is like swimming towards like. The idea of oneself in the world alone experiencing everything new. Hmm. So, in fact, I mean, I guess now I do. I am saying, that, yeah, the Aquarius and Aries, that's what's happening. Hmm. That's my new thesis. I just made it up. Hmm. Where does the murderous impulse come from? I, Aries? Well, here's the thing. I actually don't think they really... I think that they feel everything. So I think if we were to really sort of map on, right, what happened there... How many planets in Pisces do you have? <laughs> Zero? Uh, I'm you a, have Jupiter in Pisces. Oh, my God. I'm a... I'm <laughs> you do. <laughs> do I? Yeah, I think so. Um... You know what, Rose? You might have Jupiter and Aries, actually, though. I want you to just relax. I have Jupiter and Aries, but I am a Plutonian Scorpio. Um, but I will just say that I don't think that inherently Pisces have a murderous impulse, but I do think that Pisces have an ability to feel every emotion around them. So what happened with Bonnie, that she did not have a murderous impulse she had the impulse to serve the murderous impulses of others right uh, okay because like she didn't want to kill her mother she just kept dreaming about her mother being like kill me kill me which is like i mean that's i mean whatever like but you know what i'm saying huh okay so there <laughs> sometimes the guy gets really excited to tell me i'm wrong about stuff <laughs> she also told me this weekend that all Aquariuses are are walking accidents. What? When did I say that? You said that at the beach this weekend. I said you're a walking accident? Mm-hmm. Are you sure it was me? Definitely you. <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> no, I remember explicitly. When did it happen? What did you do? Did you mm-hmm. walk into something? 
No, it was like after the umbrella incident, and then you, or maybe before it, but you were just like, that's all an Aquarius is. That's when I think of Uranus, when I think of Aquarius, it's just accidents. You're just a walking accident. Wow. Yeah. I'm such a little bitch, you know it's what true. I mean? Mm-hmm. How do you put up with it, Rose? You really like you really I held on. Weed. You really held on to that moment until this po- like we like planned, like we thought about it. Uh-huh. And then you're like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna wait until we're recording, then I'm gonna be like remember that time you were a bitch, Gala? <laughs> <laughs> I mean what happened was uh we had a relevant moment that brought it to mind. Mm. Mm. I was mm. feeling nostalgic. It's the last degree of ca- cancer. You know? Alright, alright. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of But uh, what are you trying to reconcile with Big Little Eyes? I think that I'm just trying to reconcile how with, white and straight it is. No, I mean whatever. All shows are white and straight basically, even the ones that are not. Um I just I'm trying to reconcile with a show that could have such amazing writing for every fucking character but Bonnie. You know, like have a show where like you have this impeccable. I mean, I'm sure half of it is just. Fucking. Don't you just feel like Bonnie was an afterthought, though? I mean, but she is literally the killer. Like, how is she an afterthought? You know what I mean? They put on. They bring in a whole family. One fourth of every episode is just her sitting in that hospital with her magical black mother. You yeah. know, like what is that about? Why would they? work so hard on the writing for all these other women and then be like mm. no 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 i'm saying like i haven't read the novels so i don't know how explicit oh, or specific they either. are about um bonnie's race but to me it felt like casting zoe kravitz was an afterthought to try to make it like a little less white but then they didn't have like the wherewithal to, to handle it or the like, fact that casting like a black character and then making that character a magical character would be a fraught choice. Yeah. Or just like, I don't know, maybe they had a, it just, I can imagine them not having mm, enough fucking black writers in the room or anybody. And then everybody being scared to touch it or do it wrong. So then them just like coming up with this fucking pat, like nobody being able to check it. Mm hmm. And them, like, not putting an adequate effort in. Like, to them, they're, like, checking off a diversity box. And then they're just like, well, people can't say it's all white ladies. Right. So you how know? do you grapple with whatever whatever it is that got us there, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you grapple with, like, this content, which is both riveting but also so distasteful? Mm-hmm. And maybe this is a wider question, too. Like, maybe start there. But then, like, I guess we're talking about life, right? Like, we're yeah. talking about this idea where we're trying to consume and enjoy and find pleasure where we can. Yeah. And it's always tinged with some white supremacist bullshit. Sure. Or just, like, it goes straight to, like, weird camp. Like, I don't know if you've been watching Pose. Like, Pose is incredible. Pose is incredible. This last episode, or no, episode four... Um, what is it called? Oh, what's the premise? Because I never feel like... knew a love like this before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get. I it just like I know that the whole show is very campy, but mm-hmm. like I was just like, come on, you know. I guess I don't know. I feel like um, for that... me, uh, I don't have the same because it's not like I don't like I don't think it's racist. I don't think it's right, like classic. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it's like homophobic like well but where i was going with it was like when they give us this much 
you mm-hmm. know and in, and on the one hand when we have like this amazing show that has like all of these people and all of these voices and all of these stories mm-hmm. like actually being like told pretty authentically to then have like just some like very bad writing mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm gonna get uh, probably flayed for saying that I mean, I think it's totally fine to want more. I want more for my content all the time. I'm a sad rising. But, like, I think um, it's just, like, I don't grapple with, like, a bad episode in the same way Mm. as I do with um, content that has so much funding and has, like, the ability to be all-around fantastic and just consistently failing a major character. section of the population yeah, like uh, not but also well, the, the viewers with right their kid too right like what the what is bonnie's kid's name even sky sky like sky was barely in that show like every other kid right really like had like had their moments and like fucking reese witherspoon and adam scott's kid chloe like i could give two shits about that annoying kid and does a nine-year-old really have that good taste in music come on (laughs) you know like but like we got to see that kid all the time she had an interiority she like revealed major plot aspects like well this is what i mean every other kid like did something important that kid is just like the more that we pull out the threads of sort of like this one section of it so also, Meryl Streep versus Mom in a Coma for five episodes. Like, I mean, Meryl's amazing, but she also got... In, and I know it's a more essential character, but like... But like, also, just how? How? Okay, what? how can I say this in a way... Let me just say for the record that I am a Venus-ruled person, mm-hmm. and Venus is really important to me, which means beauty is really important yeah. to me. And I just want to understand how the casters of that show thought that Zoe Kravitz was made by the man who played her father. <laughs> <gasps> the DEA like agent you, from Weeds. Like you, yes, exactly. <laughs> like you literally know who made Zoe Kravitz. Like you really know that Zoe Kravitz came into the world through the conjunction of two of the most beautiful beings on this planet. It's true. And then, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> How is any of this believable? Anyway, I think what I'm, I mean, you know, it's like I'm not trying to spend our episode like just like it's not about zooming into big little lies like what i want to think about especially with material materiality mm-hmm. and with what we owe each other and also what we find pleasure nostalgia and mm-hmm. like home in how we decide what we consume and how we grapple mm-hmm. with our decisions i don't really have an answer I know. But like... You're like a little alien. You're just sort of touching down on the planet, just sucking up little pieces of media and going this weird. Yeah, this weird (laughs) that we, you know. (laughs) It's like the only things I can come up with is that I'm just going to like, for the rest of my jobs, buy tools at Home Depot and then just return them after I use them to rip them off. Oh, yes. You know, those are the kind of scams I come up with. You show Home Depot who's boss. Yeah. They think they're making money, and they don't make any. 
And I make money. You know, I'm letting you know that Home Depot is making money off the lesbians of the world. They all need to go to Lowe's. PSA, lesbians of the world. The main monster at Home Depot is planning on donating a large uh, portion of his profits to Trump's 2020 campaign. Wow, that is super useful information. Yeah, so... And Lowe's is not evil. No, Lowe's is definitely still evil. Go to your mom and pop store, but... Home Depot also happens to have a very generous return policy. How generous? They don't ask you any questions. What are you doing, Rose? (laughs) Isn't it obvious? (laughs) I'm trying to get a hit put out on me by Home Depot. I've been waiting too long for the asteroid to come. That's what the eclipse has been like for me. Like, I've, mm-hmm. I've really upset my girlfriend and a lot of my close friends by joking about um, how cool uh, an apocalyptic uh, scenario would be. Mm. I could see how that could be upsetting, but I want you to tell me what 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 happened there. Like, what was the <sighs> what was the sort of uh, it's just a treachery. It's just like the treachery of the day to day and just looking at the world and seeing like how much needs to be fixed mm-hmm. and just being like, you know, it would be easier if a giant asteroid crashed into the earth and we all would say goodbye in a millisecond. You know, I think that uh, as an 11th houser, maybe or something that mm-hmm. doesn't sound unappealing to me, I think. Uh, where I push back is sort of the idea <laughs> of nonviolent communication. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much. But that's actually not the framework for NVC. If anybody wants to learn more about NVC, so, let right, me know. I'm sorry. When you said that, <laughs> I felt seen. Um, actually, it would be like when I hear words <laughs> like, <laughs> um, words like blah and blah make me, but anyway, um, I want to say that an asteroid just coming and imminently destroying the planet, I'm down. I'm kind of down. But I mean, in a th- not like, hey, what's up, aliens? If you're listening, just throw it on. Mm-hmm. But I guess I would accept my my dead spirit that orbits the 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 burnt Earth would accept that as the logical conclusion of what we've done to our planet. What I often push back against is when people are just like. I want the sort of uh, the sort of um, fragmented or like abstract apocalypse to come on, like the no. idea of the world ending. But it's not just a imminent burn, right? It's sort of like a oh, and then like the whole economy goes up into flames, and money means nothing anymore, and there's like the you know the flame eaters or whatever Octavia wrote about and shit. And for me, that's that's when I start to push back because it is evident to me that I will not be the most vulnerable in the beginning. So yeah. the people who suffer from an apocalypse like that are the people who suffer now. Like the first hit. The They're first already hit. suffering. It's already yeah. happening. I guess. But I don't know if it's... I feel like this is sort of like the... You know, it's like uh, it's like before Preamble. the Hellmouth totally opened when like sort of you started to get the signs and then the watcher would be like, I think the Hellmouth is, is going to open You should know I've soon. never seen a single episode of Buffy. I think that this is what makes me afraid that you're a heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you love Buffy, you're queer. Fair. Um, I think that 
um, you know, and Buffy is just actually really honestly yet another example of amazing writing, amazing content, and yet like white supremacy. And that sort of like. Also, can you really forgive Buffy for giving us Angel starring David Boreanaz? I want you to know that Angel could have been worse. Angel could have been a stunt double for 98 Degrees. (laughs) Pretty much all four of them. They all looked the same. They looked like they were like rejects from the NY. New I don't York know what, what's fire. 98 Degrees again, Rose? 98 Degrees was a boy band, four-person boy band in mm, early 2000s, uh, including uh, Nick Lachey, and I believe he had a brother. I think they filed for bankruptcy, and he was married to Jessica Simpson for a while. How do you know so much about 98 Degrees? Couldn't tell you. Maybe because while I was watching the hit show Buffy, you were jamming in your nerdy room tonight. Yeah, I was watching all the boy bands that just looked like a bunch of like butch lesbians. And part of me was like, I have a crush on them. But really, I was like, I got to learn those dance moves and get that haircut. Okay, well, if you're really saying that, then I don't understand why you didn't have a crush on Angel. Because uh, it's so facto. I wasn't into, <laughs> into ninety eight degrees. What bands were you into? What was were you an NSYNC girl or no, a Backstreet Boys girl? I had a Backstreet Boys CD, and then um, what's your favorite Backstreet Boys song? I want it that way. I'm cheesy. Like that's just a good song. Mm, yeah, it's pretty good. That's not my favorite. What's your favorite? Quit playing games with my heart. Oh, that one is good. Is that? <laughs> Backstreet Boys? I'm pretty sure it is. Am I wrong? We're gonna quit playing games with my heart. Quit playing games with my heart. Quit playing games with my heart. I should have known from the start. I um, <laughs> I don't remember who that is. It's one I remember them. like a music video where they're all on this sort of like bleachers and basketball court or something like in the nighttime and they're wearing white shirts and they're slowly getting rained on. Sounds about right. That's it. That's But like Boys to Men did that before them. I mean, clearly Boys to Men did a lot of things, you know, because... Yeah, it's true. When people say men. like the rise of boy bands, it's actually just white boy bands. There were black boy bands like eight to ten years before that. I think that maybe it was sort of the premise of like a particular kind of um, teen bop collective. Mm. So um, although Jackson 5 ranged in ages, a lot of bands with cis and them were like saw themselves as young men maybe mm. and even boys to men were not necessarily becoming like men much later they were in the mm. process of becoming men whereas i think bands um like backstreet boys that were like i'm not arguing with you totally about mm-hmm. whitewashing a music industry also invested in a kind of permanent infinite youth Right, and so then that, when they got too old, they either got kicked out of the band. That's not true. They just pretended they weren't old, right? Because it's like I some was going to say members, we started solo careers because it's like. But some of the members in like those I bands know who you're were talking old. about. You're talking about like um, they were old. Kevin McAllister AJ. and AJ McLean and Brian. What's his Weird. name? Do you know like all their names? Like, do you know their numbers? Like, do you I know where they live? Like, do you I don't know think that Kevin McAllister is his real name? <laughs> but it sounded really convincing, huh? It was convinced. I was like, Okay, Rose. so <clears throat> on the boys to men axis. On the boys to men axis, you got it. I'm just wondering. 
I'm just wondering if there is like a zodiacal uh, correspondence of boy to man. I mean, (laughs) of maturity, of child to adult. I mean, child to adult, like at some point you return to Motown Mm. and you bring in a little West Coast swing. Wow, okay, you're really doing it. Wow, have we learned anything at all in this episode? Uh, yeah, we learned that you know, like, all the names and phone numbers and possibly, like, lifespans of the boy band characters. And we found out that I probably know a lot of lyrics to Boys to Men songs. There you go. Um, it's Leo season. It's starting. It's going to uh-huh. have started. Um, Is this going to help us at all? No. <laughs> What's it going to do? Distract us. I think Leos are really great at offering up um, fun, righteous, sometimes reactive Mm. distractions to the everyday fatigue of human existence. I think Leos are, you know, uh, they push against our nihilistic tendency and they say, I am here. Please pet me. I am a cat. So you think all cats are Leos? I do. I think all cats are Leos. My cat's definitely Leo, but I don't think that all cats are Leos, Gala. I, I think that all cats are Leos. It is right there in the name Leo which is a lion and all cats descendant from lions. Who are who is here with us now? This doesn't sound like it's, Gala. It is Gaia. It's Gaia. Is that, you um, can't say it. You're just a new American who cannot elide the L and the Y sound of a Russian name. Mm. Um, I I just wanted to say... Oh, Gala's I, back. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice to have you back. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. I'm like... I'm just uh, shattering. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to joke about sort of the my impulse to imagine this world as like a swirling, chaotic void wherein like a Leo cat pounces into the picture and brings us some sort of like triviality. Right. Like to me, all that makes me think of is the master and the margarita. Oh, yes. Can you describe the plot of this famous book for our readers? <laughs> I can try. I, by the way, want to let you know that yesterday I was in a circle of many other young people like myself, who, uh, like myself, Galia, and they um, announced that Master and Margarita is thrash in English and can only be read in, in Russian. Oh, well, then maybe you should tell everybody about I it. I literally own three copies of Master and Margarita then by different translators. Talk about it? And I have read none of them. Oh, man. I mean... I'm a, I'm a culture trader. I mean, what strikes me about Master and Margarita... Well, the reason I said the cat thing is, like, it, the first, like, real break with reality is the protagonist is, like, in this park and uh, is encountered by a human-sized cat a leo person um who he engages with and then later i can't remember if it's that cat or somebody else basically watches him get decapitated by a train but it's kind of about um 
a country descending into madness, but the only way to properly um, communicate that to a layperson is uh, is through like a, a surreal lens. Kind of like you wouldn't believe it if I just told it to you straight. And the only way for you to understand how insane it is. And, and basically the one guy who knows what's going on is stuck in an insane asylum. Oh, yeah. I feel like this is just the story of our totalitarian governments, right? It's a story of Russia, and it's also the story of America. Like, if you really were told exactly what is happening to people, but gave it different names, people would be like, what a horrible country putting children into cages. But then they're like, oh. Well, also, what a horrible country going to an already occupied country and then just murdering the shit out of everybody there. Like, just sending militias and Mm -hmm. then sending, like, weird religious fundamentalists who hang out for a little bit and then Mm -hmm. um, enslaving an entire continent's worth of people and Uh bringing them over there for profit. And then when you finally have to, like, let them go, finding a bunch of other terrifying, nefarious ways to keep them subjugated and keep profiting off their labor, uh, ad infinitum. Huh. What is the name of this book? (laughs) People's History of the United States. (laughs) Wow, I will read it very soon. Sounds horrifying. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, yeah, actually, and that's what where we were talking about earlier is it kind of feels like we're all in the matrix right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of a lot of, you could call it part of a lot of larger planetary cycles, right? Um, We are having, we're having our Pluto return. Oh, we are? Oh, this country. Oh, United country in its is, current yes, iteration. And, um, what does that mean? What does that mean for a country to have a Pluto return? Well, I think that it's a lot about shame and also power and kind of like our source of power and realizing. And I think um, debt and wealth too, right? Like mm-hmm. how how did you build this? And who do you owe? Mm-hmm. And so I think that overall, that's like an overarching theme. Yeah, but the hard thing for me to figure out is just like, is everything just going in circles? Mm-hmm. Is any of this actually new? Or are we just actually like being made aware of it for the maybe the first time in a while or maybe the first time ever? I mean, I don't think it's new. No. Right? Not at all. I do feel like maybe... God is watching. <laughs> you don't know it? No. Wow, it's like I know so many more American songs than you, even though you are the American. Um, <laughs> what were you doing, Rose? I don't know, <laughs> listening to Poe. Oh, okay. <laughs> Poe? Is yeah. that the band? Is that the guy that talked about the crow knocking? With a a different heart. That's Edgar Allen. This was just a cool chick with a band and a good album. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know what? We all have our predilections. Yeah. So what what do we do now? Now that we're still in Mercury in retrograde, even people Mm. will be listening to this, even when they get this recording a week after, even when Leo season is upon us, how can we get our listeners a sense of uh you know uh maybe like something a grace something to hold on to Mm. a a raft 
I mean, I think it actually is. Grace is what we can give each other, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and nice. and maybe it can react in a ripple the way that you described cancers reacting, and maybe if we can all give the people that we encounter a little bit of grace, a little extra patience, um, a little more consideration. It's true, you know, because even though cancer season is wrapping up as we record, the lessons of the eclipses on the Cancer Capricorn nodes are going to be with us until next summer. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you out there, you really have to be thinking about what it means to bring your sense of sacred relation and intimacy Mm -hmm. into your your public image, your public yeah. forums, your social interactions, and um, your your sense of um, duty and debt. Yeah, and responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that also, I think people need to get beyond like what um, the rule of law, whatever that means. It doesn't seem to mean much anymore. But like, no person is illegal. And most things that are illegal are are only illegal because there's a certain vested interest either in, um, you know, uh, taking possession of the assets or literally the bodies of people who engage in these activities mm-hmm. or just of anybody. And that's an easy swath to kind of scoop from. Um, somebody asked me, like, how would you describe this nodal axis and in a couple words and I really think it's kind of moving away from institutions and towards intuition but that intuition can't be coming from fear like fear is Capricorn's domain Mm -hmm. and it needs to be like coming from like an instinctual desire to like connect and nurture rather than to like reprimand and constrain Mm -hmm. I also wonder and I'm going to say this word again but I think it's worthwhile if part of um, that building of intuition is is all these different ways of embracing intimacy, right? So whatever, mm-hmm. like um, understanding that intimacy can have many nuanced shapes. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about like when I think sometimes the word intimacy is brought out and it might be about like erotic connection or yeah. this form of sort of like um, vulnerability that has to do with a kind of bare all. But I think intimacy can also be about understanding our linkages with each other. Mm-hmm. So understanding that we are in intimate relation with each other, yeah, especially as queers that we have some intimate bonds, even if they're, even if they're fraught, even yeah. if they have um, complicated histories. Yeah. And those intimate bonds are the things that empower us to be able um, to see each other and see each other's worth and each other's power, not as um, parts of a machine Right. Right. But as caregivers and educators. Yeah. And creators. But make it fashion. What? <laughs> what? That's a Leo. I just bring it Oh, are you trying to make a Tyra Banks joke? Isn't she a Gemini? Yeah, I was just thinking I'm about joking. like I don't know glamming it up. Oh, glam it up. For Leo. 
I don't know. I think that I wonder if we're going to have like another episode where we just talk about Leo's because um, I have questions or I have I have a lot of explorations about what Leo energy is and sort of how I don't know. I think the other day I had some friends complain to me about how like Sagittarian friends complain to me about how they never see like Sagittarian meme content that really speaks to them. I've had several Sagittarians say this to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because sometimes people who are not necessarily long time studiers or um, I don't know, nuanced thinkers, honestly, are just like Sagittarian. I don't know, like, uh, it's like a you know it's like an animal it's like a it's like a person i don't know like they can't quite even understand the the journey there so they kind of start being like well it's something about adventure and it's something about uh being crazy and also philosophical and i think with leo sometimes people almost feel like they have like a given where they're like it's a lion so it has pride and they're really showy and like they like attention and you're like uh like the, these are not nuanced ideas about what it means to be a leader of a of a pride or what it means mm-hmm. to differentiate your service to the world as inherently part of yourself. Um, so I think that it would be really fun for us to investigate the many the many vectors of uh, Leo energy and how they how they affect the world and how they morph depending on where they come from. Do you think it's more cliche for an Aquarius or a Sagittarius to claim that content creators don't understand them? Um, I think that Aquarians tend to accept content creators, what they say about them. Like I feel like Aquarians are just happy that all the content creators are always like, Oh, Aquarians so hard to get to know. So unique. And the Aquarians are like, yep, that's me. <laughs> I feel like I have heard way less Aquarians complaining about, like, Aquarian content. I have a lot of complaints. I mean, I know you have a lot of complaints, but you're Virgo Moon, and you will always have a lot of complaints. Because you are very persnickety. Mm. And I like that about you. I'm just often right. (laughs) (laughs) Um... No, I just think that the same flattening that you're saying occurs with Sagittarians oh, occurs course. with Aquarius. No, too. of course. I mean, it occurs it, with everybody. It occurs with every sign. Right. I just think that um, it happens with every sign. While some signs have a flattening that they can really hold on to, they're like Scorpio, sexual. It's about sex. There's secret, sexy sex secrets, you yeah. know? And then, like with Aquarius, they're like, they're unique, alien, alien uniqueness, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And Leo, it's like, they're just prideful drama prides. Mm-hmm. But with Sash, they're like, they're uh, centaurs. They're like uh, they have. Er- they're going somewhere. They're doing stuff. They like to travel, you know, wow. which aren't like personalities. Like mm. it's not a personality to travel. I mean, they're friendly and exuberant, and you know, are they? They often are. Yeah. I feel like many Sagittarians are actually really quiet. Well, but you have to look at that Jupiter axis that yeah. goes from like party party time good time charlie to like the scholar lives at the top of a mountain right Mm -hmm. and it's like the out that goes from the outward expansion to the inward expansion i just think that um 
I think the Jupiter energy of sort of like expansion mm-hmm. is what like is it's not as pinnable as like the energy of the sun in some way you know sure and so I think that while we both can have truly applicable ideas about what makes a Sag I think generally speaking it's harder for some people to kind of create this I feel the same about Neptune too I think really like about Pisces no I feel like Neptunian I feel like Neptune energy which yes Neptune is Pisces really but I mean the expression of Neptune I think that Mm. like People are like, uh, addiction and then um, the afterlife. Yeah, but I feel like when people talk about Pisces, they're like, oh, they're just so sweet. And Pisces are like, I am so sweet. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's like, I think that. I think that. But some... I feel like it's the same thing with Cancer, too, where people are like, oh, yeah. oh Cancer's so sweet. And then people are like, Scorpios are the devil. And then but, it's like, actually, no, Libras can sometimes be scarier than Scorpios. Oh my gosh, is that is a rose? No, that's not my experience with Jenny. I'm saying that, like, <laughs> we're going to I'm saying it. that there's this veneer, right, that occurs. Like, yeah. And where it's like, yeah, well, actually, Capricorns are actually the devil. But mm-hmm. also, like. I just, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think what I'm, what, the only thing I'm sort of bringing up is that these sort of tropes that yeah. are given almost by image. Yeah. I think for some reason people just can't fathom a centaur as like a vibe, right? So they're <laughs> like, I feel like they're like, oh, the Libra is the scales that has to do with justice. Libras are really interested in social justice. And most Libras are like, yeah, okay. But all, yeah. but uh, You know what I mean? Like just, yeah, okay, sure. Balance, justice. Like, I guess I might not be balanced, but I'm interested. Like they can, they can, they can sort of receive and vibe with it in mm-hmm. some way. And I feel like similarly to kind of like, there's just some signs where like, I think Aquarius is actually pretty, so, like where they're just like, uh, yeah. it's like a person with a jug of water. I don't know. I heard they're aliens. You're like, what? Yeah. Like, what like is, are they a water sign? You're like, no, I'm like the wind that bears the water. They're like, whoa, man. Look, <laughs> so uh, you're a tropical storm. You ever heard that song that's like, living in the age of aquarius you know what i mean (laughs) no i've never heard that song oh my god really no i've only heard that one song from hair that's so crazy yeah this This is the day that doesn't go living in the age of aquarius listen i'm from other countries so (laughs) oh my god Uh, uh so well we did a lot here, actually, I think. We'll find out. I think it was great. One, two. Two, here's the thing. The real gold mine that occurred today is only available for Patreon subscribers, which we're going to give you a little tease in the stories. But if you want to see the full content, yeah, you can sign up for literally a quarter a month. Yeah, like... I don't Rose know and really I are really multi-talented. Um, multi, multi. We are just creative geniuses. I just want you to know. And I also want you to know that we don't have enough money to have mobile recording equipment. That's true. And so I had to take a car through a flash flood to get to Rose's apartment to record with her cat that is obsessed with me. She is obsessed. Um, and I am horribly allergic, so 
if I sound nasal and unhot, I'm going to sound like this for the rest of my life. But it's because of a cat. But if we can make uh, $300, we can buy a digital recorder, which means that then I would take a cab through a flash flood to go record with Gala. That is so... I'm going to think of a word. I'm I'm making up a word right now. It's romantic. What is that? Friend romantic? Yeah. Yeah. Romantic. Yeah, it's cool. Um, (laughs) But anyway... Also, you know, we do this because we enjoy doing it, so we don't feel entitled to your support. But if you do no. like it and you would like to send some money our way, we will put it to good use. It will help Gala's uh, nasal passages. It will make us more flexible and timely in our yeah, keep my passages recording. Open. Yeah, keep your passages open. It also means that like you guys will get more episodes because we'll be able to record on the fly places, mm-hmm. and that would be fun. Um, thank you to our two current su- subscribers, Tara yeah. and Audra. Oh my gosh, what a lovely people. What a lovely people. You are about to get your first uh, free content. Also, if you'd like me to record your outgoing voicemail as Jennifer Tilly, uh, I'll do that for you. Also, if you um, want to see uh, a resume that I wrote once for being involved in a threesome, you can um, request that from me. I'm almost sure it is funny to more than just me and the person I sent it to, but I'm not positive yet. I need support. It's true. Also, if you want to hear my impression of my first boss, my first job in high school as a carny, I'll send that to you too. Mm -hmm. His name's Eddie Miracle. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So... Don't worry. A lots of treats in store. Thanks for bearing with us. We are both traveling a bit. Okay. Yeah, it's over now. We know how to let go. We know how to release. Uh, yeah. And it's by telling you to follow us on Instagram at Big Dyke Energy Podcast. Mm-hmm. And then on Twitter at Big Dyke Podcast. And you can email us at Big Dyke Energy Podcast at gmail.com. Wow. Wow. We'll put our Patreon in our show notes. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Big Deck Energy is recorded and mixed by Rose Blakelock and features original music by Knight of Cups. We'd like to acknowledge New Kids on the Block as a 90s white boy band. And the members of Backstreet Boys are AJ McLean, Howie Duro, Nick Carter, Kevin Richardson, and Brian Luttrell. <laughs>